I love the words of that song because it reminds us of one of the big challenges that we face in our society today, that sometimes people are left out. Sometimes people are not included. And today, as we continue this series that we started just last week, a story called Our Story, A Journey of Grace, we began by looking at how Abundant Life Church is a church where every person is invited. Every single person is invited. And we talked about how this is a church of grace. And we talked about how as a church of grace, it's the kind of church where God is the one changing people. It's not you and it's not me. It's God the one who changes people. Our job is to cooperate with God. His job is to transform people. So our job is cooperation. His is transformation. It's a place where there's no us versus them. It's not those of us who've arrived and we got our act together and we're perfect. And, and then there's those people who hopefully one day they'll get their act together too. There's no us versus them. The reality is all of us is broken in some way or another. It's a church where uh, we're allowed to take off our mask and, and be real, where authentic growth and, and change can take place in the lives of people. It's a place where everybody is welcomed. And so that's what we talked about last week. And so welcome back. Would you help me welcome our campuses in Sandy and also up in Vancouver and those watching online? Yeah, it's great that we can all be together. Great that we can all be together. Now today, as we continue in this series, we're talking about how Abundant Life Church is a church not just where everyone's invited, but it's also a church where everyone is included. We want people, when they come to this church, that they feel and they sense and they know that they are included, that they're not just welcomed, but they're included. Now, most of us here, most if not every one of us here, know what it's like to be invited somewhere, but once you arrive, you don't feel like you're included. How many of you have ever been in a situation like that? Maybe it was at a dinner party. Maybe it was at some kind of a social event. Maybe it was even at a church, and, and you just didn't feel included once you got there. And so if the church is going to be a place, and I want you to write this down, because, again, we're talking about really this church here, Abundant Life Church, and I think what I'm talking about really applies to every church, but I'm, a, I'm applying it to us. And so if this church is to be a place where everyone is included, then it needs to be a place where no one stands alone. Nobody stands alone. One of the greatest struggles in our society today is loneliness. Wouldn't you agree? One of the greatest struggles, I think, today is, is loneliness. And sociologists tell us that it's one of the greatest pain that people will feel today, even more so than depression, anxiety, or guilt. Now, the causes of loneliness are common to all of us. Even back in Bible times, people felt lonely. And you can look at the life of Paul, who was one of the greatest Christian leaders ever, and he himself had those moments where he felt lonely. And if you ever wonder, why do I feel lonely? Why do I feel this sense in a, in a world that's so full of people, how can I feel lonely? And if you look at just one passage of Scripture, one life in, in, in the life of Paul, let me show you four of the most common causes of loneliness today. One of those is transitions. 
transitions. Um, whenever we go through a, a transition, that's a time when we feel lonely. Now, here's Paul, and he, he says that the time of my, has come for my departure. He's talking about the fact that he's going to die, and, and the time has come for his departure. And, and certainly, that's a time when people begin to have these lonely feelings. But if you stop and think about it, all of life is a series of transitions, isn't it? I mean, you, you're born, and then you grow up, and then you go off to school, and, and then you graduate from high school, and you go off to college, and you graduate, and you get a job, and you get married, and you change jobs, and, and then you change locations, and, and then you retire, and then you die. And, and, and so life is a series of transitions. How many of you are just feeling, like, joyful right now, you know? <laughs> But life is this series of transitions, and, and it's in those times of transitions that we can sometimes feel lonely. I was thinking about how um, around our church here, our campus here in Happy Valley, and, and you'll see it out in Sandy as well, and also up in Vancouver and, and around here, we have, we have all these houses that are being built, Right? all these houses that are being built. And so lots of new people are moving into the community. And so this is a time of transition for a lot of people. And I'll bet you there'll be people who'll be moving in who will be lonely in some sense of the word because they're moving into a community maybe where they don't know anyone. So what a great opportunity for the church. Last week I told you how I love it when someone comes to this church and they say, you know, we just moved into the community and we had a list of churches that we were looking to go visit. And when we came to this church, our search was over. Isn't that great? I love that. And I, I do. I hear that from time to time. In fact, I want to invite Dr. Ken Logan. If he'd come up to the stage and join me at this time, would you welcome uh, Ken as he comes up here? We're just, we're just keeping we're just keep it casual, Ken. And um, I, I asked Ken if I could take a few moments to just ask him a few questions sure. because he and Cherie, who just moved here, how long ago did you guys move here now? Oh boy, uh, January 2015. So okay, so just a, a little over a year ago mm -hmm. or so. And, and uh, where did you move from? We are one of the um, infidels from California who are taking <laughs> one over of those Oregon. people. Yes. That's coming up here crowded <laughs> our, our, our roadways, uh, right? We were told to get license plates as soon as possible. <laughs> so, Probably good advice. Yes. Good yes. advice. Now, now what, what brought you here? What, what got you guys here? Yeah, we came up uh, to take a job with Western Seminary. Okay. We've okay. been involved in Christian higher education for many, many years. So okay, okay. An and so you, you, you are a... Psychologist. Psychologist. Okay. And, uh, yeah. So you probably have me yeah. figured out pretty much by now, don't you? <laughs> you know, <laughs> that's, a, that's another topic. Maybe that's another a whole day. Another yeah. topic. Yeah. And we do have a brief period of time here. <laughs> and so, so let's just get to the point. Okay. Uh, so you, Ken, when, when you guys came here and, and I got a chance to meet you, I'd ask you how you heard about our church. You tell me a little bit about your story. Come in here. Would you just tell me your story a little bit about how you guys came to this church and what you sensed when you came? Yeah, we, um, man, we are so grateful to you and, and the church. Uh, we were one of those folks who were in transition. Mm -hmm. And uh, coming here, we we've needed to develop a whole new community of people. We uh, new relationships, as you know, transitions. Um, yeah. 
So we came up here to take a job with Western Seminary, and the, uh, the transplant part, uh, trying to get a new community, trying to get, make new friends, all of that, the church was a key piece to all of that for us, and so we're very grateful to it. Yeah. Now, did, did you guys have like uh, several churches you were going to check out? We did. We checked out churches um, probably for, let's see, from January through April. It was okay. Easter in 2015. Okay where we visited ALC, and that's where we decided this is where we're going to come. And you discovered it. And, yeah. and what was it about the church that, that caused you to say this is, this is it? Well, it was interesting. There was a God thing involved with that, and then there was also some practical stuff. Um, my wife had actually, does your wife ever say things and you can tell God's talking through her? Oh, all the time. Okay, all right. In fact, every so, word. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're a wise man. Yes, dear, yes, um, dear, yes, dear. Yes. And God. Um, <laughs> no, Cherie had said to me, I want to find a church. I want to be, make sure we're planted in a church by Easter of the year that we moved up here. And so I kind of rolled my eyes and, you know, yeah. okay, we'll see what happens. And yeah. We visited here after visiting several churches. And the thing that happened that Easter service was you guys brought probably, it must have been 80 kids up here on stage, kind of praying over them to go out and do missions work. We have two junior high age boys, and that tipped the scales for us. Um, that was a big deal, the emphasis on youth development and all of that. Um, and then the warmth of everybody here. I mean, you guys, you know, friendly for sure, but you would actually reach out and talk to us, and we're very kind and warm, and we were looking for that. So That's, cool. That's really cool. Now, today I'm speaking specifically on uh, people being included once they come, and I noticed that you're serving. Yeah. How was that for you, getting involved here? It was good. Um, we have a ministry background. I'm, I'm uh, ordained, and we've been involved with ministry efforts for years and years. I have an odd situation because when I usually get involved in churches, they find out about that, and they want to get you really involved, and you don't have a lot of time to do that. So you guys are very gracious to us uh, that way, letting us get involved with uh, Pastor Mike Vermees mm -hmm. on the security team, mm -hmm. and uh, Sheree volunteers a little bit now. I see her during the week. Volunteer. Yeah. Yes. So we're, we're very busy, and so you guys allow us to do a little bit without doing too much, and that's always a unique thing. Um, so that was something that you guys offered to us. So you felt accepted it. when you came. Absolutely. You got involved after you got here. Well, you got to remember, we came from California, so <laughs> you know, this was an awesome place to come. So. You packing a gun right now? No, you don't have to. <laughs> well, it's funny you should ask. No. no. <laughs> well, thank you so much. I appreciate that. I, I, I love it. Like I said, I love it when, when people come and they say, Hi, we found this church and it was home. And... Um, uh, when when somebody like Ken comes, and because when I when I hear that you know he, he's 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 ordained and he's a psychologist, and I'm thinking, oh great, he's really intelligent, and I'm thinking, oh man, you know. And when when he decides to come and stay, it's like it, in my eyes, it's not like just the average person, like most of you. <laughs> No, no. You need to talk to my wife before you say that. Yes. And so I'm, I'm kind of threatened because, you know, when on a given Sunday morning, there's people just from all walks of life, and I just feel honored that you're here. So bless you guys. Thank you. It's a Thank blessing you for to be being here. Thank you. God bless you, man. Thank you. Thank you. Love you guys. And so one of the reasons people feel lonely is because of transition. Another reason is, is because of separation. 
Oftentimes people go through times of separation, and that's a time for loneliness too. Again, you'll see that with Paul. He said, uh, do your best to come quickly, as he's speaking to Timothy. Do your best to come to me quickly, and do your best to get here before winter. And so he's separated, again, from somebody that he loves. In fact, in this section of Scripture, Paul mentions seven of his closest friends from whom he separated. And he's feeling lonely. And, and Paul was the kind of guy, he didn't travel anywhere by himself. And now here he is, he's in prison and he's alone and he doesn't have Facebook and he doesn't have his, I, I imagine they took his iPhone away from him so he can't text and, and, and check emails and all this stuff. And so he's, he's lonely and he's, and he's separated. Another reason is opposition. People feel lonely when there's opposition, when, when you feel attacked or you feel ridiculed or you feel criticized or, or misunderstood. And again, Paul felt this. He dealt with this from a guy whose name was Alexander. He said Alexander did a great deal of harm. He strongly opposed our message. And so those times caused feelings of loneliness. And then perhaps one of the biggest reasons is rejection. Whenever somebody rejects you, you feel betrayed or you feel forsaken or you feel abandoned or you feel deserted. When these things happen, we, again, have these feelings of loneliness that just kind of well up inside of us. And, and again, you'll see it there in 2 Timothy. Paul says, Demas has deserted me. And then when he's on trial for his life, he says, uh, no one came to my support, but everyone deserted me. I mean, do you imagine how Paul is feeling? No one came to my side. Everyone deserted me. So he's feeling this loneliness. And one of the greatest emotional needs today is for people to feel accepted, to feel like they're a part. But when you look at our culture today, the sheer, the, the sheer magnitude of the speed of our culture today, it works against uh, this, this, this feeling of belonging because we're so separated and there's so many things that just pull us apart. I mean, you know, now that we have all this technology and, and people is finding it very easy to, they, they drive hours to commute to work. People fly across the country to go to work. And whereas people used to stay put in a community for all their life, now 25% of the population moves every year. And, and people are scattered everywhere. My son and daughter-in-law and grandchildren live in California. My mom lives in Texas with my sister. Anne's mom lives in Virginia. Our, our youngest son lives in Portland, so he's still here, so we're, we're still together. But we're scattered everywhere today. And, and then you take the technology that we have today. What we've done is we've developed a new way to feel alone, to be alone in the presence of other people. Have you noticed that? We were sitting in a restaurant the other day, my wife and I, and um, we were downtown, and we were sitting there just kind of chatting a little bit, and I had observed off to my left, there was a couple sitting there, and, and she, she was sitting there on her phone, and, and he's just sitting across the booth, and he's just kind of sitting there just looking, kind of picking at his food, and, and you know, five minutes goes by, and I observed it and said one word to each other, and, and then 10 minutes goes by, and then here comes the dessert, and she's still on her phone, and he's still picking at this, and fumbling with this, eventually he pulled his phone out and started looking at it, then he put it away, and he's eating dessert, and, and then, you know, 15, 15 minutes goes by, and not a word was, was spoken between, I don't know what happened up to that point, but I thought, well, as I leave the restaurant, I'm going to see if there's maybe other people kind of doing the same thing. Passed by five couples on the way out of the restaurant, four of the couples were sitting there doing this. And so what we've done is we've developed a new way to be alone in the presence of other people. 
And, and so it creates this sense of aloneness. And that's one of the, I mean, I'm not against social media at all and all this stuff. I think it's important and we can use it, but it gives the illusion that we're more connected than what we really are. And, and so we live in this society where, where people long for community, yet they're afraid to get close. And so if the church is to be a place where nobody stands alone, then it must be a place uh, and, and it must create a culture of connectivity. We must create a culture of connectivity. Uh, the boomer generation, the generation that I belong to and that a lot of us here belong to today, uh, we valued anonymity. We, we didn't like to be bothered. But emerging generations, they long for connectivity. They, they want to, to belong. And so it doesn't matter how rocking the music, it doesn't matter how, how hip people dress, it doesn't matter how cool the vibe. If people come and they can't get connected, and they, and they sit alone or they're alone, then we've missed our mark and we consider that, that, we've, that we have failed. And so our heart is to create a culture of connectivity here where nobody is alone. So how do we do that? How do we do that? From the very beginning, Abundant Life Church has had a heart to get people connected to the body of Christ as quickly as we possibly can. Now, we don't always bat a thousand. We do our best, but we sometimes miss the mark. And, and, and we try hard. Sometimes it's our fault and sometimes it's the other person's fault. But we do all that we can to create this culture of connectivity. Sometimes people say, well, you know what? I think the church is just too big for people to get connected. The, the reality is, no, it's not. Because you can get lost and you can be lonely in a big church and you can get lost and you can be lonely in a small church. You can. I've been in small churches where nobody speaks to you. I've walked into them. And in fact, that's one of the reasons they stay small is because when people walk in, it's like us four and no more. What are you doing here? But in a larger church, it's like, no, we're, we're looking for ways to, to really help people get connected. So don't, don't, don't buy into the fact that, well, it's a large church, you can't get connected. That's just not true. And so loneliness is essentially a relational problem. And so the the answer has to be relational in nature. So let me show you two primary relationships that we must be very intentional about as a church family. The first is what I call the horizontal dimension. It's the horizontal dimension. Jesus emphasized this relational priority when he said in John chapter 13, a new commandment I give to you. And what's that commandment? Love one another. A new commandment I give to you is to love one another. Now, the context of this verse is where Jesus is with his disciples at the Last Supper. And so this is the Last Supper. These are some of the last words that Jesus is going to speak to his disciples. And so these are very important words. And Jesus, I can picture, he probably gathers them close by and says, come here, guys, there's something I want to tell you. And, and my guess is they're probably thinking he's going he's gonna to bring up the Shema back in Deuteronomy 6 where it says, let me remind you because every, every good Jewish boy, they grew up memorizing this, to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And I imagine they probably thought, come here, let me remind you, love God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your strength. Don't forget that. But that's not what he said. He says, a new commandment I give you. A new commandment I give you. And that is, I want you to love one another, to love one another. And, and then he goes on and he says, by this will all men know that you are my disciples. By this will, will all people know that you belong to me if you 
Love one another. Not that if you believe the right doctrinal issues, not if you carry the right version of the Bible, not if you dress a certain way, not if you, you know, speak a certain language, but by this will all men know that you are my disciples. Everybody say it with me in all of our campuses. If you love one another. People today are so hungry for meaningful relationships that they will belong before they will believe. They'll belong before they believe. Way back when we started this church and 28 years ago, we found that to be true. Now, I grew up in a church where you, you had to, actually, you had to become a member before you could do anything. And in order to become a member, you had to go through a really long, drawn-out process and, and all this stuff. And, and then if you were lucky, you got to serve. And so you had to belong, and then you could believe. Well, it's different. I mean, you had to believe and then belong. Now it's different. And now people are longing to belong before they even believe. And, and so sometimes people say, well, you know, who gets to serve around here? Well, we say everybody gets to serve around here. You mean you don't have to be a member? No, you don't. You don't have to be a member of this church to serve. Now, obviously, there are some things that you probably won't do un until you become uh, a, a member so that you, you know who we are and, and all that stuff. And there are people saying, well, well I'm not even a, a Christ follower yet. Can, can, is there something I can do? Yeah, there's stuff you can do too. We'll find a place for you to serve because many times people find Christ you know, by belonging to the family, and then they, be, they come around to this place of, of believing. And so today, we have two strategies in our church to help people belong, two strategies. One of those is through small groups. You hear us talk about small groups all the time around here. Why are small groups so important? Because small groups communicate that you matter, you matter. Somebody cares about you. And when you're in a small group, you get this sense of, I matter around here. I matter to people around here. We, we believe that, that life was meant to be lived in the context of community. God didn't create you to go through life alone. Now, you need to be in community. And, and so we encourage you to, to go beyond just attending a weekend service because this may be the entry point for many people, but it's not the stopping point. It's just the entry point for many people. We encourage you to find a small group. In fact, our spring life groups are going to be starting up uh, soon after Easter, and so we encourage you to do that because that's a great way to get connected. If you've been around our church for the last several months, you know we just came through an all-in emphasis, and we talked about how we're expanding our physical capacity, and we're also expanding our spiritual capacity. And one of the ways we're expanding our spiritual capacity is through a series of discipleship groups that, that's called Rooted. And we've already started that process. In fact, all of our elders and all of our staff are going through Rooted groups right now. And it's, it's very powerful. We have a pilot group that's going through. We're going to have a, another group that's going to be launching here in the spring of some of the key volunteer leaders. And then when we get to the fall season of this year, we're going to open the door even wider for people to get into the rooted groups. Now, and, and I'll even throw this out there. If, if you are a person who would say, I'll consider facilitating a rooted group in the fall, then we'll let you get in a rooted group right now in the spring. And you can kind of be ahead of the game 
from some other people. If, if you would consider, you don't have to commit to it, but if you would consider leading a rooted group. And so you'll see on your connection card where you can check all that off and you can express your interest. But the Bible tells us to carry each other's burdens, and in this way, you fulfill the law of Christ. What's the law of Christ? The law of Christ is to love one another. To love one another. It's so important. So, so one way of getting connected is through small groups. Another strategy is through serving. It's through serving. Because small groups say, I matter here, but what happens when you get on a ministry team is now you're saying, I make a difference here. I've got something to contribute here. I've got something to offer here. You see, they're, they're different. They're two different strategies, but our philosophy is to get people involved in ministry just as quickly as we can. I love the message version. In 1 Corinthians, it says, each person is given something to do. And what's that say? That shows who God is. Isn't that interesting? Each person is given something to do to show who God is. In other words, you're given a ministry, and your ministry is an extension of God's work. You're an extension you're of Jesus and his hands and his feet and his eyes and his voice. You're given something to show who God is. Everyone gets in on it. Everyone benefits. All kinds of things are handed out by the Spirit. You've been given spiritual gifts. You've been given a unique personality. You've been given unique skills and abilities and talents and passions and all these things. And then, and, and so this is given to people to help build up the body of Christ. And so we challenge you to, to find a ministry t- a team and find a place to serve if you're not doing that already. We talked about how Easter's coming up and just say, how, how soon is Easter coming up? We've got one more left in this, and then we've got four weeks in the next series. So the four, five, six weeks from now is Easter. Can you believe that? We just celebrated Christmas, my goodness. And, and so, which by the way, next week we change our clocks. I don't know why I thought about that, but next week, don't forget to change your clock. I woke up this morning thinking, oh shoot, I hope today wasn't the day you changed your clock. And I'm, I'm going to be late or early. Anybody know? Late. I'd have been late, and that'd be horrible, okay? And so, what difference does it make? That's, that's not what we're talking about. And so there's two practical ways for you to get connected on the horizontal dimension, and that is to, through a small groups that say, I matter here, and through a ministry team that says, I make a difference here. And so get in a small group and, and then get on a ministry team. Now, the next strategy and the next relational dimension is the vertical dimension, as you would guess, the vertical dimension. You see, connecting people with people is important, but it's not enough. It's not enough. If, if all we did was connect people to people, then we'd be no different than the health club up the street or some other organization that does great things. So, so we, we've got to get people connected to Jesus. In fact, the first part of our mission statement says to, to reach as many people as possible for Jesus. Okay? Because you can have a good life. If you get connected to people and you go through life connected to people, but if you want a great life, you've got to get connected to Jesus. If you want a great life, and in fact, Jesus said in John 10, 10, he says, I've come in order that you might have life and have it to its fullest. And so there's this intimate relationship between loving God and loving people. There's this intimate relationship between these two. In fact, you can't even connect them. When when Jesus was asked the question, what's the most important commandment, what did he say? Does anybody know? He said to love God, right? Yeah, love God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then he said, and the second 
It's like it's like he just kept on going. As if the two just go right hand in hand together. He says to love your neighbor as yourself. So Jesus told us to love one another. But the problem is human love wears out. How many of you have discovered that human love wears out? Yeah. How many of you are sitting next to that person that you're, you, it's worn out? I, say, I know you're not sitting next to that person, but, but you know people where, you know, it's, it's hard to love people consistently over a long period of time. And, and for some of us, it's hard to love people consistently over a short period of time. And so human love, it just wears out. And so where do you get that, that ability to just naturally love people? Because if you say, I'm going to grit my teeth and, and I'm going to love you if it's the last thing I do on this earth. Because that'll wear out. And so you've got to learn to naturally love people. Where does that come from? Well, it comes from loving God. And, as, and as, you over, if you, as you overflow with the love of God, with the love of Jesus in your heart, you just naturally love people, even people who are difficult to love. In fact, in this, in this uh, verse, he says, as I have loved you, so you must love one another. At first glance, it seems like what Jesus is saying here is that, that we, we, you know, we love people the way he loved us. That's really not what he's saying. Because in the original language here, there's a little phrase that, that comes out and it goes like this. It says, as I have loved you in order that you might love one another. That changes the whole meaning. He, he says, love one as I have loved you in order that. In other words, his love for us is the power within us to love other people. That's where it comes from. And so we love because he first loved us, says 1 John 1, 9. And so fill this in in your, in your life notes. We connect with Jesus by simply receiving his unconditional love. You see, that's why this is a church that says we welcome everyone. Everyone is invited. Why? Because Jesus loves us unconditionally. Our heart is to love people unconditionally. It's God's job to change people, not ours. Now, this last verse I want to show you today is, is 2 Corinthians and, and this is a very powerful verse, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And what it talks about is the responsibility that you and I have once we choose to follow Jesus and we accept Jesus to get people connected to Jesus. And so what I've done is I've taken the word reconciliation and I've changed it to use the word connecting because that's what we're talking about today. So this is the new GP translation, okay? George Powell translation. Don't send me any emails, okay? I'm not adding to God's word. I'm just changing um, a word here. And so listen to it. All this newness of life is from God who brought us back to himself through what Christ did. And God has given us the task of connecting people to him. For God was in Christ connecting the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. This is the wonderful message that he's given to us to tell others. We are Christ's ambassadors, and God is using us to speak to you. We urge you, as though Christ himself were pleading with you, be connected to God. For God made Christ, who never sinned, to be the offering for our sins so that we could be made right with God through Christ Jesus. What I want you to know today is that Abundant Life Church is a church where everyone is not only invited, but they're also included. 
where we are intentional about connecting people with people and ultimately connecting people with Jesus so that no one stands alone. I'm going to ask if you'd bow your head. And as we close out today, the, the greatest connection you could possibly make is being connected to Jesus Christ and receiving the unconditional love that God has offered you in Jesus Christ. And so if that's your desire today, I'm going to ask if you would repeat this prayer after me today. I'm going to ask if you'd repeat it audibly. And for those of you who've made the decision to follow Jesus, those of you at our campuses, would you also join in? Father in heaven, today I say thank you for Jesus. Jesus, thank you for loving me unconditionally. Today I ask you to come into my life and to forgive me of my sin. I choose to follow you today. I pray this in your name. Amen.